You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. <laughs> to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, with me, your insatiable host, Katie Charlewood, history harlot and reader of books. Now we are still in the spooky season, and I am just back from my first long weekend and I don't know how long. It's nice to have time off, I don't know what to do with myself. So I decided to go to Sligo and see my lovely friend Shauna, who you may know from Sex Shopper. And I also met up with the fantastic Mark, who you may know as Bearded Badger Storytelling, the podcast, or from the Leprechaun Museum in Dublin. I had a fantastic time. We've got some ideas going, fun stuff's gonna happen. But it's been great. It's been nice to have some time off and it's nice to meet all these super cool people that I met on TikTok. You know what? I'm going for it. Anyone who's listening, anyone who has made friends or has friends that are like through things on the internet that you know are not dodgy like mm, is someone who grew up with chat rooms yeah you, you gotta watch out for weirdos out there um but you know these are the right kind of weirdos i know a lot of older generations don't get the concept of you know making friends with people who you know live further away from you or who you know through online and things like that as well and that the concept of a textual relationship is is with their reality. But you can make some really, really good friends and really great connections via online. And I have started to do that with TikTok, um, Instagram, Twitter to a less extent. I have a Twitter, so you know, who did what now pod on everything apart from Twitter, which is who did what now PD. But yeah, making friends, making friends is fun and it's good. Um, I found especially that it's quite difficult for someone like me, because I live in, you know, the middle of nowhere, but also because... I think when you get to a certain age, like making friends as an adult is a very difficult process. It's very strange and we're not taught how to do that, but I'll talk about that another time. And it's fun to be friends with people who are creative um, because then you have like, especially for someone like me, because it really helps drive 
me and spur things on in my brain to actually get me to do stuff. Because ADHD brain sometimes finding the drive or the time to do stuff can be really, really difficult. I'm really in a good, I'm really in a good spot right now with the right type of support, I think. And it's feeling good and you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm actually doing weird hand movements. And I keep talking with my hands. It's, it's weird, but I do it. So, and I, but I know what you're saying. You're saying, quit your jibber-jabber and fact me and fact you, I will. I will. Because we are going to talk about Terrar, the French cannibal spy. Because everybody loves a cannibal story. But before we get into this, we got to get our source on. Our sources are Memoir sur le Poulevagie by Pierre-François Percy. Um, this would be the Dr. Percy's original paper on Tarral's medical history. We have Freaks, the pig-faced lady of Manchester Square and other medical marvels by Jan Bondesen. Curiosities of medical experience by J.G. Millingen. And of course we have allthatsinteresting.com, ripleys.com and bbc.com. Yes, so it is the spooky season, and because it is the spooky season, we are going to continue with our dark history theme, and I am going to tell you a tale of Terrar, the French cannibal spy. So I hope you're ready for a tale of espionage, horror, and an insatiable appetite. Terrar, if that is his real name, which we're not entirely sure of because we don't really know that much about his early life, because generally... If you were born in the 1700s, unless you were rich, there's not really a lot to know. They don't write that shit down. What do we know about Terrar's early life? Not, not a lot, actually. Uh, we don't even know his real name. We think Terrar was his stage name that he picked up at one point along the way, and it just kind of stuck. We don't even know exactly when he was born. You know, poor people from the past. Why would we care, apparently? So... What we do know is that he was a hungry, hungry boy. So Terrar was born roughly around 1772, and he was hungry. Very, very hungry. And during that time in France, it wasn't exactly the most um, fruitful of times. And a child that can eat their own body weight every single day, probably more of a hindrance than a help, to be honest. And so by the time he's a teenager, he's out on his own. He's not with his family. He's gone elsewhere. When Tarar was 17, he weighed about a hundred pounds. He was very much skinny malinky long legs, you know? And he was always, always hungry. He was starving Marvin all of the fucking time. He was so hungry that he consistently ate out of rubbish and garbage just to, to help satiate that overwhelming hunger. Fortunately, or um, unfortunately, Terrar's body suited his condition. Like, it was just as weird as his appetite was. So he was skinny. He could dislocate his jaw so he could fit more stuff in. His cheeks could stretch. His skin was very, very stretchy. And when he wasn't eating or wasn't full, the skin on his cheeks would hang down his face like a bulldog. Oh, yes. And his stomach. So when he was eating and swallowing and consuming a bunch of stuff, his stomach would sort of distend out. Basically kind of like a pregnant woman's would. It would just be like this big round bulge. But when he wasn't stuffing his face, his stomach would like hang 
around his just hang sort of loose around his body and he could wrap it around his waist like a fucking belt. Ed Gain would have a whale of a time with him, that's all I'm saying. Terrar having this rather unusual skill and let's face it, people like to stare at weird stuff. That's why freak shows exist or existed. Not that I approve of them, but you know, people like to go stare. So Terrar joined up with his travelling conman and Terrar would be an opening act. And this would work in two ways. So not only would he get, you know, paid for performing, but he would also be consistently fed. Like people would hand him like basketfuls of apples that he could just lob them down his throat one after the other after the other, like shoving coins in a slot machine. He could fit 12 eggs in his mouth at any one time, like stuffing his cheeks up like a chipmunk. And people would give him loads of weird things to eat. Sometimes he would be handed live animals, like birds, which he would just swallow and then throw up the feathers, the beaks and the feet. On one such incident, he grabbed a cat, drank its blood, disemboweled it and then ate it. And then you know what he did? He vomited up the fur. And so people would just keep giving him weird things to eat. So he would eat rocks. People would make him eat rocks because he could swallow anything so they would start handing him stuff that you know really shouldn't be ingested and one day in the middle of an act Terrar just straight up collapses like down the ground and his audience is so concerned that they take him to a hospital and surprise surprise there's an obstruction in his intestines and so they just give him a ton of laxatives because you know you gotta clear it out somehow does this deter Terrar in any way? Nope, because the man is just fucking hungry all the time. But then something happens, something very, very important in French history. The French Revolution. And for a probably illiterate, desperately hungry street urchin, shall we say, the option of joining the military? Joining the French military is a very, very appetising option. Because... Because at least if you're in the army, you're going to be fed. So Terrar makes the relatively wise decision to give up, you know, swallowing rocks for pennies and join the French army. Unfortunately for Terrar, the army rations weren't exactly um, great or abundant and as such weren't really satisfying his needs. So in order to, you know, try and quell his hunger a little bit, He would do like extra jobs for other soldiers so he could take a portion of their rations. But this is a man who just can't stop eating and it just doesn't work. And so he resorts to eating out the fucking garbage again like a wee raccoon. Then Terrar gets sent to the front lines and out there no one had anything to spare or share. And because Terrar was hungry as fuck, he was medically hungry. He needed to constantly eat. And because he wasn't consuming what he needed to consume, he straight up just collapsed from hunger. So he set out to recoup and recover in a military hospital. And that is where Terrar meets Baron Pierre-Francois Percy, who took one look at Terrar and went, oh, this is interesting, I gotta get me some of this. Again, remember that Terrar is skinny, he's got that weird stretchy skin, constantly 
smells. I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but he is stinky. He is, you know in a cartoon, when you see those like stink lines appear off of a person? I feel like that's what Talal was like. So Percy decides to start experimenting on Talal because he can. Because he wants to see like how big this appetite is. So they start off nice and simple um, by giving him like four times the normal amount of soldiers' rations. And Talal just inhales it effectively. Like down it goes, gone. So to put this into perspective, he ate like a quarter of a cow by himself. So he like shovels it in and his like weird flippy stomach skin, it just whoop, out it goes. But beef wasn't the only thing on the menu because Percy wanted to see like what could he eat? Because you know he'd heard bits and pieces. So you know he gives him two, I want to say the disapproval of the other doctors. They were like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm feeding him this stuff. Okay. And he basically offers him a bunch of stuff like he would eat in his act. So so he gives him eels and snakes and a live cat. After which, yes, yet again, he pukes up the fur. Talal would swallow eels and snakes, like open his gull up and just, and they would just slip right in and he would swallow them whole. After Talal was finished his meal, when he went to the privy, or the toilet, his bowel movements were fucking putrid. Like, nobody could handle going into a bathroom after he'd been in it. Like, nobody wanted to go near that. It was kind of like if shit got sour. That's kind of what that was like. I mean, he probably had really bad gas as well, like, when you think about it. So imagine you've already got the stench going on from that, but, like, his entire body stinks. It, uh, it's a potent smell. It stings the nostrils. Rancid stench was so awful that you could smell it from like 20 paces away, the other side of the room. And this was in an era pre-deodorant, you know? So near enough everything at this time either smelt like pee or sweat. So he must have been really, really bad if his scent was putting everyone off. Another weird thing about Talal is that he was constantly hot and sweaty and that when he was eating he would get like feverish and his scent would get much, much worse as he ate, like during the eating process. So while he's doing all these mad scientist shit, a general, Alexandre de Borne, is like, wait a minute, this seems useful. He's like, fuck this for a game of soldiers. We've got this dude who can swallow a bunch of weird things and not die. Well, let's put him to good use. So the thing is, France and Prussia, they're at war. The Franco-Prussian War, if you will. So they want to see if Talal can put his weird talent to use and utilise it for spycraft. So their plan is to give him, to give him stuff to swallow for him to smuggle over so what their plan is, is to give him stuff to swallow so that he can smuggle it over the Prussian border and deliver it to captured French soldiers. So they decide to test it out first by writing a note and putting the note inside a wooden box and then getting him to swallow the wooden box. So he passes this anyway. So he poops it out. So basically they're waiting for him to pull out this box because they want to check to see if the note is still legible after it's gone through his body. You know, 
I hope at least they like smoothed the edges because those sharp corners, ooh, does not seem fun for anybody. So as it turns out, this worked. And they decide to reward him with some positive reinforcement. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Some of us love history. Others used to or never did because history was presented as nothing but the rote memorization of names, dates, and facts. Basically, the story got left out, and that made history kind of suck. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a university professor with a PhD in history, and bringing history to life is my passion. That's why I created my podcast, History That Doesn't Suck. I want to teach you everything you need to know about U.S. history, but I do so through stories. Let me tell you about George Washington begging his men not to mutiny against Congress. Clara Barton saving Union soldiers amid enemy fire. Enslaved Frederick Douglass risking his life for liberty. And about so many other figures as their real experiences make industrialization, social movements, and even congressional debates and tax policy come to life. Subscribe to History That Doesn't Suck today. And join me, Professor Greg Jackson, every other week for a new episode. Where I'd like to tell you a story like a puppy and they give him 30 bull organs which he basically inhales in front of everybody and because it's a roaring success they decide to put this into practice so Tara swallowed another wooden box with another little note in it for um like a captured colonel and he was disguised as a prussian peasant and he was supposed to sneak over the border however Tarah wasn't exactly inconspicuous because you know the weird skin and the smell, and um, and you know, the fact that he couldn't actually speak any Prussian. Oh, and um, you know, the fact that he was French and couldn't actually speak any Prussian. Needless to say, he was quickly captured. And the thing about Talat is, he was never trained in any of this. He was just kind of thrown into it. He's been captured by the enemy. He's being, he's being strip searched. He's being whipped. And he's having any number of tortures happen to him over like a day. And Talal was never trained to endure torture. So he breaks pretty easily. And you know, he tells them all about, you know, the, the plot and how he's got a secret message. And how he's got like a special note in a box that he swallowed. And they're like, right. So they basically chain him to a privy or a, a latrine maybe, toilet. He's Chained to a toilet and they wait for him to shit out the box. Eventually, a couple hours later, imagine being the soldier who has to dig through the excrement to retrieve the box and then open the box and find the note 
only to discover that the note doesn't have any special instructions or necessary information and that is just a test to see whether or not Tara could deliver the message. And the Prussians, they're not fucking happy about this. So they're like, mate, you're getting executed. And they tell Tarar that they're gonna hang him. And he waits for days away. And there he is for days awaiting his death. But luckily for him, they he's your problem now and chucked him back over the border because he felt like he had done something to sell out his country. After failing being a spy, Tarar was just done. He was sick of he was dealing with the fact that he felt that his actions had like he was guilty you know over the fact that he felt that he'd sold out secrets to the other side and his constant hunger was really destroying him so he's back and he goes back to you know the surgeon Percy and he begs him begs him to try and cure him of his hunger you know and Percy's like Yes, please and thank you. Let's see what we can do for you. So he gets him into a hospital and they decide to try a bunch of stuff to see if they can reduce his hunger. So he's in for constant observation and they give him other other things, poppy seeds, stuff like that. They tried to use a laudanum, which is um, an opioid, and they wanted to use that as a hunger suppressant. They gave him, they tried tobacco pills, because there's like a theory that nicotine suppresses your appetite. And one of the other things he tried was red wine vinegar. Because of the acids that are in red wine, it can basically like, it can reduce appetite because it can reduce the appetite because the, the acids that are in red wine can sort of reduce your appetite and reduce fat storage and also like help you burn fat in your body. None of these treatments helped to laugh. Oh, oh, and another one was um, eggs, a diet of eggs. So Talal's like so hungry and he goes back to his old ways. So he is eaten out of the rubbish again. He's in the bins and Talal can't handle these diets. Nothing is helping satiate his hunger. So he is back in the bins. He's going full on raccoon. He's eating anything that is edible, regardless of how rotten or disgusting it is. There's even reports of him breaking into slaughterhouses so that he could eat the raw meat inside. So this is where the story gets menacing. He was fighting animals on the street for food, like dogs and wolves. And then he is caught drinking human blood in the hospital from like patients who had been brought in for bloodletting. But don't worry, it gets worse. And you're thinking, what could be worse than drinking blood? On more than one occasion, Talal was found in the hospital's mortuary, feasting on the dead. That's right, he was eating dead bodies. He was eating the flesh of the dead. And then something truly horrific happens. A 14-month-old child was being treated at the hospital and this infant mysteriously, and this, and this baby mysteriously disappears. Newton, neither Hyde nor Hare was ever seen again. Now, we don't entirely know if, and so all eyes, and soon all eyes turned 
tutelar, who, let's face it, was known to lurk through the hospital wards looking for something to eat. And although they couldn't prove that he had eaten the infant, they put two and two together. And when the suspicion fell on Tarar, he did the wise thing and got the hell out of Dodge. He straight up disappears. Like, he straight up disappears from the hospital in Paris. And for four years, we don't know where he went or what he did. And it's so weird because you've got this weird-looking, weird-smelling, scrawny man with an insatiable, uncontrollable appetite who eats rubbish and garbage and people and rocks. And we have no fucking clue about where he went, who did he go with, what did he do for four years. I mean, this was in the middle of the, you know, French Revolution, so who's to say? Also, addition, furthermore, the only person actually looking for Tolal was Percy. And find him he does in 1798 because he's been admitted to a hospital in Versailles. When Tarat is visited by Percy, he was suffering constant diarrhea and a weird condition that somehow had cured his appetite, which, you know, I mean, that is what he wanted, but probably not in this way. And Tarat is not exactly compass mentis at this point, and he's telling Percy that he had swallowed a golden fork and that the golden fork was killing him from the inside. Now... Whether or not he had consumed a golden fork at this point, nobody knew. But wasn't really relevant because he had late stage tuberculosis, although it probably would have been um, still called consumption at the time. Tarar died in absolute agony a month after Percy's arrival. And as far as we know, with and as far as we know with Tarar, at the age of twenty-six, Tarar died in excruciating pain with Percy by his side. Now. After Tarar dies, Percy decides that he's going to perform an autopsy to try and understand, to try and get like some clue as to what the fuck was going on with this fella. And in fairness, he was the only one willing to do it because as bad as that man smelled when he was alive, he smelled even worse when he was dead. And here's the thing, they had to act very quickly because his body, quote unquote, became prey to a horrible corruption. Like, it is, like, putrefying itself. It was so bad that so many surgeons just, like, couldn't. And these are people who were there during, you know, the guillotine full force, you know what I mean? But Tarar's body was just too much for most of them to handle. So Percy is performing the autopsy. So when they make an insertion into his stomach, they find his organs, like, immersed in pus. His mouth could dislocate his gullet. You could open his gullet and see down. So, Tarar's esophagus was massive, to the point that it could stretch, like, a foot in diameter, so that when you, like, stretched it open, you could look through his mouth and see his stomach. His his intestines, his liver, and his gallbladder were, were enormous. And that his stomach took up most of his sort of abdominal area and that it was covered in ulcers. His liver had already started to putrefy and you gotta remember as well, like his organs are already like swimming in pus. And by the time they'd looked at all this stuff, they were like, okay, we're done now because the body acids and the weird sweat smell and the pus, this stench was so horrific 
They demanded the autopsy be stopped and that the body be buried so deep that it could never bother anyone again. Another thing that wasn't discovered during the autopsy was the golden fork that Tarar was convinced was killing him. Here's the thing though, to this day, we still don't know what kind of medical condition Tarar had. Because like a damaged hypothalamus in rats and an amygdala in cats, you know, can give them an insatiable hunger, but they both kind of got obese with it. And Tarar was constantly skinny. Basically a walking skeleton most of his life with just skin hanging off him like a badly made suit. And they thought it was polyphagy, but that doesn't quite work out either. At one point they thought it might be hyperthyroidism, you know, because it can, you know, because it would have like an incredibly fast metabolism, making someone hungry, but without them gaining any weight. Because it would make you really hungry, but, you know, you wouldn't gain as much weight. But there has been no known case of hyperthyroidism that's made, that's ever shown someone like Tarar existing. Then, of course, there's a possibility of a parasite, but nothing was ever found. And another option was polyphagia, but which basically, which basically involves like like a massive appetite and eating to excess, but it doesn't quite actively. Modern science doesn't know. And so ends our tale of Tarar, the French cannibal spy. If you liked my retelling of this story, feel free to like five stars and review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any of the podcast platforms that you're listening to this on. Feel free to give me many, many stars and many positive words. It just really, really helps get me up the list and boost me up. And also, um, my, my ego my ego quite likes it when you say nice things. <laughs> oh, man. So, I want to say... I want to say a big thank you to Lewis, who said they didn't need a shout-out. They just wanted to support me. But you know what? You're getting a shout-out, buddy. There you go. You're awesome, and I appreciate you. I really do. I appreciate everybody who listens and shares and ah oh, honestly it's it's amazing it's absolutely amazing um if you want to help support the show if you think liking a review just isn't enough then go on to um provide monetary assistance there are links down below for paypal um patreon.com slash you did what now pod paypal.com slash you did what now the coffee link is there I might have a Revolut link down there as well. I don't know yet. I'll see how I feel. But if you're thinking, I want to support you and I've already liked and reviewed, but but I don't have any cash, you can follow me on all my social medias and interact there. Now, we have Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok, which is Who Did What Now Pod. And then we have Twitter, which is Who Did What Now PD. So what did we learn today? Starving people do not make good spies. 18th century experiments rarely work. And um, in general... I mean, this should go without saying, but please don't leave babies unattended near cannibals. I just think as a general rule, that's a good one for us to have. And although it is tempting, please do not eat rocks. Eating rocks is never a good idea. Okay, so it is recommendation time. So, reading, I am going to recommend 52 Times Britain Was a Bell End. It's funny, it's full of historical facts, and it's, it's funny. <laughs> and it's easy to digest if you're trying to read something but you don't have the energy to read like a full book you can just read like each page effectively each tale for listening i am going to recommend bearded badger storytelling available on all good podcasting platforms and probably some bad platforms too finally watching if you're if you're um, a nerd like me and you like star trek and stuff please make sure you're watching lower decks it is glorious
I love when it has that, um, the throwbacks and the callbacks. Oh, they make my heart sing. And they make little nerd and me happy. What can I say? And with that, I am going to bid you adieu. I hope you enjoyed this dark tale of a dark moment in history. And I will see you all for the Betty Sodom. And I hope to hear, and I'll be back on Thursday with a Betty Sod. Adios. Au revoir. Au revoir, my friends. Bye-bye. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts.